Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, good morning. (laughs) We started a new series a couple of weeks ago entitled Overgrown Paths. And my whole goal with these messages is to look at some of those biblical principles that used to be so followed, those old paths, those godly principles and ways that were so ingrained into our our culture and society that the majority of the people just naturally traveled on those paths. And I want us to rediscover the value of some of them that, that led us to success, those paths that led us to success and blessing as individuals, as churches, as communities, and even a nation. There are many old paths that have become so overgrown with weeds and debris that they are hardly recognizable. In our verse for this series is Jeremiah 6, 16. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. You know, when we come to a crossroads, how many ever been to a crossroads? I think our nation's at a crossroads. There's a lot of individuals at crossroads. There's a lot of churches that are at a crossroads. When you come to that crossroad, you stop and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's, that's not the road we want to take. And, you know, that's not what our attitude, we want our attitude to be, is it? We want to do everything God calls us to. And if he reminds us of some of those old godly ways, obviously we should take them, even though those overgrown paths, if they're over, and they're, some of them are very overgrown, we take them and we reopen them. If the church doesn't do that, who will? So, so far we've talked about the old path of work ethic, the old path of practicing a Sabbath or having a good rest ethic, as I put it, last week. And this week, I want to talk about the path of, well, let's just call it corporal punishment. A lot of fun here this morning. Really great topic. Corporal punishment. And corporal punishment is defined by Merriam-Webster's dictionary as punishment inflicted on a person's body. How many love to be the object of corporal punishment? How many have ever been the object of corporal punishment? Raise them high. How many are glad that you were the object of corporal punishment? Okay. Examples of this would include spanking, paddling, maybe your mouth being slapped or even covered with a bit of harshness. Did your mom or dad ever go, whoop? Almost a slap, but not quite, just a mouth cover. Maybe mouth being washed out with soap is is punishment inflicted on a person's body. I know how lots of different soaps taste. (laughs) Corporal punishment could include a quick grab of the arm coupled with a pull-in-close maneuver. Grab the arm and pull him in close. It could even be a physical removal from a situation, possibly. And most of these would or at least could fall under the category of reasonable, hear me, church, reasonable corporal punishment. And we all know there are extreme forms, right? That would be considered corporal punishment by definition. Some of them would be considered corporal punishment by definition. And let's just call them what they are. When they're that extreme, when they become extreme, they become abuse. And I'm not talking about that so much, even though we're going to get into that a little bit. 
But let's be clear, in the Bible, every time you see a verse about child raising and it uses the word discipline, it also doesn't mean that it's in reference to corporal punishment. Discipline, discipline can be a lot of things. And church, I know this is one of the subjects that can really divide. And is it right? Is it wrong? Is it biblical? And I've got to admit, a lot of smart pastors would just steer clear of this subject altogether. But I guess I'm not smart enough to avoid it. So give me some grace this morning and hear my heart today. It's a huge subject and one that's definitely worth talking about because it has such huge ramifications on us as a people. There are so many opinions in reference to this. And what I want to do this morning is look at Scripture, right? That's our source. It's our book of absolute truth. It's our blueprint for living. And aside from all the controversy that surrounds corporal and even capital punishment, I just want to wipe the slate clean of all opinions and experiences that we've had and take a fresh look at what Scripture says in reference to this. It seems to me that there was a time when people had a general acceptance of corporal punishment and that it was an important part of raising children and even keeping crime down as low as possible within our society. So, again, let's just jump into the Scripture this morning and let's start with the one that everybody quotes. Are you with me today? Are you nervous for me? You should be. The one everybody quotes, Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. And most people quote this verse wrong. This is Proverbs 13, 24. They say, spare the rod. Okay, that's not in Scripture verbatim. That's actually from a, an old play. Didn't know that, did you? Spare the rod, spoil the child is not a verbatim Bible verse. But the concept that you essentially spoil the child when you spare the rod of discipline is definitely within Scripture. And why do we automatically, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, and I, I hope you just let your mind kind of think and we land in a, in a balanced way today. But why do we automatically assume that sparing the rod means not hitting them with a stick or not spanking them with a paddle? The word rod is translated from the Hebrew word shevet. Almost sounds like shevet, but it's shevet. And it means um, literally stick, rod, or staff. And rods had many purposes in the Bible. One of them was to use for correction, a chastising rod. But this is the same Hebrew word, this shevet, used, the same Hebrew, Hebrew used, uh, Hebrew word, say that fast, Hebrew word used in Psalm 23 when it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I, as I saw this in Scripture, I was like, Okay, I'm remembering back when, when my dad, who was a, a, a very strong disciplinarian, and he did not spare the rod, thank God, or you, you wouldn't have me as your pastor. I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even be here. But I remember back when the rod was being administered, and I never thought, thy rod, they, it, it comforted me. Understand what I'm saying? It's the same word. The rod of chastisement, it's the word rod, but it had different uses. You understand what I'm saying? 
But within this context, in Psalm 23, it means something very different. In biblical times, rods were used to physically discipline rebellious children. They were used to flog those that broke the law. They would punish lawbreakers by hitting them with a rod. They were also used by shepherds to pull their sheep in close. They were used to measure. They were used to protect from enemies. Rods were used to sort and examine sheep as well. In Psalm 23, the rod is in reference to how the shepherd would have the sheep go through a small gate and they would cross underneath the examining rod. He knew his sheep one look, and he knew where they had been, if they were injured, if they had any issues, be it physical or emotional. I've worked with sheep before. Sheep can be emotional wrecks. Trust me. He could tell if they were, they were injured. He could tell if they were really jumpy, if they'd been spooked by an enemy. The examining rod was part of the shepherd knowing his sheep. And I thought of that as parents, we ought to know our kids. As a metaphor, using the rod of examination with our children is to know where they've been, what they've been doing, be attentive to what they are going through, how they may have been attacked by the enemy. We should even be aware of their emotional state. This is being the loving parents that we are called to be, church. Spare the examining rod, and you hate your child. Spare the chastising rod or the rod of discipline, and, and, and you, you hate your child. And I'm using the word discipline there very, I guess, not, not as broad as the word actually is. Spare the rod of protection. That's to hate your child. And I believe in, in, in Proverbs 13, 24, that it's specifically referring to the rod of chastisement, but, but, but here's my point. If the rod of chastisement is all you use in training up your children in the way they should go, then that's messed up. We'll, we'll come back to that. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. I just want to give you some scripture this morning. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Clearly, this is referring to the rod of, of chastisement or the rod of correction, the rod that, that swipes and hits. Hebrews 12, don't, don't, I'm not lost any of you yet, have I? Okay, just reading scripture to you. Hebrew 12, 11 says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he, discipl he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. That alludes to the fact that you... That, that discipline is not just training there. That word discipline that they're using also means a good swift kick in the rear end once in a while. It's painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Here the word discipline comes from the Greek word paideia. Paideia. And it means chastisement, nurture, or correction. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. Though you strike him with the rod, he's not going to die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol, which is hell. Valley of, the, valley of death. Hell. The words discipline and rod are used together here, and it, and it even refers to striking with the rod as a method of proper discipline or proper chastisement that will keep your child from going to hell. Now, I sound more and more harsh as I keep reading Scripture, don't I? These Scriptures are not easy. Proverbs 29, 15, The rod and a rebuke give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. 
I, I think it's abundantly clear that Scripture supports corporal punishment. And maybe I should say it this way, supports reasonable corporate, corporal punishment. And hear me, church, I did not say that it supports beating or abusing your kids. We are to be a people that is balanced, and the Word of God gives us the balance. Even in our obedience to administer a spanking or other reasonable forms of corporal punishment. And I, and I, just, I just think this is a path that has become so overgrown in our society that it's not only taboo, but considered abuse in many forms within public settings. You can be investigated and possibly even lose your children for actually following the word of God in reference to this. And I've heard the stories. And understand, it is not illegal in any state. I checked this out. It's not illegal in any state for you to administer reasonable corporate, corporal punishment within your home. There are other countries that have made this even illegal, though. So, so my question is, how do we go from centuries of this being a staple of parenting to an offensive, even illegal act? And hear me, church, just because it was done for centuries doesn't mean it was right, okay? And it doesn't mean that it, it was always administered in a way that was wrong either in, for those centuries. I believe that over time, and over generations, so many of those that administered corporal punishment didn't operate within the biblical guidelines for it. One generation in a family that receives this type of punishment outside of biblical guidelines finds themselves being, having been abused. They will certainly and understandably react to that abuse. And then what transpires is a veritable pendulum swing all the way over to the other side, and what was meant to be a biblical concept when administered in love is thrown out completely. You understand what I'm saying? God says in his word that a, a little bit of a chastisement in the area where you got cushy on your tushy, right, is not such a bad thing. It's a good thing. Of course, there's lots of guidelines around that that we have to follow too. You can't just take one scripture out and beat your kids. And that's the very reason I think there's a lot of problems in our, our society, at least one of the reasons. We've thrown something out because there's been abuse. Abuse is never right. It's never right. Reasonable corporal punishment isn't wrong, according to Scripture. But it should never be administered in anger. It should always be an act of love and in response to a wrong behavior and not a reactionary reflex to it. It should never be your first go-to when it comes to disciplining your children, and it should not be your only go-to. And we can see the results of this very thing happening in our country People abuse instead of love, and it's, we don't just try and stop the abuse and, and throw out the, we don't just try to stop the abuse, we actually throw out the reasonable corporal punishment within it. And let's face it, it has become more common to witness totally out of control children than it's ever been before. Have you been in some of the grocery store aisles? 
I mean, some of the out-of-control children. I'm not casting judgment on anybody. I'm just saying there's some kids that could use a little swat in the behind. Boy, this is a dangerous thing to preach. How dare you stand up there and go against all the psychology of the world? I know parents who are literally scared of their kids. And the truth is that those same kids grow up with less respect for authority than the kids whose parents use reasonable corporal punishment. Authorities like the police, the courts, the community leaders, and even just plain old respect for other people, it's diminished from a generation or two ago. And I'm, what I'm saying is it all starts in the home, in the family. When the family breaks down, everything else will follow, right? Everything else will, will break down too. It'll follow the same suit. And I'm not saying that a decrease or a lack in the use of corporal punishment is the only reason, okay? Understand that. I just think it's one of those paths that's becoming increasingly overgrown, and it plays an important role in all this. Let's be honest. There are many kids who can be disciplined in many different ways without an emphasis on corporal punishment-type methods. There are a few who need more of that and some that need less of it. How many know every kid is different? I mean, I got three girls. Every single one of them is different. And I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to owe them money. But um, my oldest one, (laughs) I could look at her with a disappointed look, and she would be a puddle. My middle one, is this the deal with middle children or something? I mean, I'm sorry, but you see her up here worshiping and leading worship, and she's a sweet, sweet person, and she loves the Lord. I'm just going to be honest. And they all know I'm talking about Anna, so I'll give you some money. I'll say your name. (laughs) There was times I said, you need to apologize right now, or you're going to get a spanking. Spank me. (laughs) Swat. A loving swat. Are you ready to apologize now? Spank me again. (laughs) What do you do with that? Some would say the spanking didn't work. It eventually did. I get it. I didn't talk about the youngest, did I? Maybe we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> she works in accounting, so she's probably adding up how much I owe her over time. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, even mention her. But every kid is different. There, there's no one-size-fits-all way to discipline, right? That's what makes this so difficult. And there are some kids that need a little more of the corporal side of things and other kids that don't, and that's just reality. The problem, again, lies when someone crosses the line and they get into abuse, then we want to throw it all out and say, well, that's all wrong. It's not. But there has to be guidelines. There has to be some, uh, an atmosphere of love completely surrounding any corporal punishment that you would engage in, right? has to be a love thing. It all starts in the home. I think, I think uh, knowing your kids, I mean, th- this, this rod of examination from, from Psalm 23, I think, uh, I think that's huge. Knowing what works in your kids and what doesn't. 
Some kids do really well just taking something away. Fearful respect for authority is an important component in deterring bad behavior. It's just a fact. We are admonished many times in the Word of God to fear the Lord. And I think, I think people think, well, I shouldn't be scared of God. He's love. He's, not, he's got nothing but good stuff for me. Maybe I could equate it to this. Your child runs out and almost into the street where a car is coming by. You run after them, grab them, and pull them in. There's a little bit of physical uh, uh, corporal punishment if you grab them hard enough, right? And you say, don't do that again. And then the next time a car is coming by, they go do it again, and you do the same thing, but maybe you give them a little, little swat. Why? Because you love them enough to not, you want, you want to detour that behavior so they don't do it again and get hit by a car. There's love there, right? That's love. You don't do it in anger. You don't do it in haste. But you lovingly correct. It's protection. There's a fearful respect for authority that's just, it's falling to pieces in our society and in our culture. We are admonished, again, many times in the Word of God to fear the Lord. 42 times in the Old Testament, to be exact. And it's the word yura. Everybody say yura. It means dreadful, awesome, terror, reverence, or respect. The New Testament uses the Greek version of this word in Hebrews 10.31. It's a terrifying thing, it says, to fall into the hands of a living God. A terrifying thing. Dreadful, awesome. And that's, that's not by scared of. I'm not talking about scared of. I'm talking about respectful fear. I mean, he, he has authority over your eternity. I mean, think about that. I saw Devin and Pastor Donnie kneel up here, and I, I wanted to, but I couldn't play like this, so I, I just stood. But in my heart, I was kneeling. And that's like a total act of respect. For authority, the authority of God Himself. You know what? You know what I think is happening in, in a lot of circles in Christianity. We've lost so much respect for authority that um, even in our relationship with God, we've lost respect for His authority. We don't have the healthy, fearful respect. But what we do have is, oh, He's good. He'll never do anything. To, to harm me, and he doesn't want to harm you. He won't harm you. He has a future and a hope for you and all that. But you know what? He's also the God who judges. He's also the God that will say yes or no to heaven or hell based off of your life and who you've given your life to. And I don't think it's... it's, it's Fair to say, well, I've accepted Christ so I can do anything I want now, live any way I want, make any decision I want. It doesn't matter because I accepted Christ and his gift on the cross just forgives me automatically. When you truly accept Christ in your life, he becomes Lord of your life and you come underneath his authority. There's a respect for who he is and your life changes and I think all of that trickles down through the authority that he's placed over us. And this morning, I've talked a lot about parenting. As parents, we have authority over our kids. 
Here's some facts. Every country in the world has at one time allowed for the reasonable use of corporal punishment. 19 states in the U.S. still allow public school teachers to use corporal punishment. I was talking to Everett before church today, and he goes, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I, I got the paddle. It hurt, but it didn't hurt me. That's what he said. It hurt, but it didn't hurt me. 27 states still have the death penalty, which is not only corporal, but also capital punishment. I, I had this thought, you know, we don't do public floggings. I'm not calling for public floggings to happen. Okay, nothing like that. But 27 states still believe in the death penalty. What if a public flogging detoured from somebody from committing some crime that gave them the death penalty? Wouldn't the public flogging be better than dying? Just a thought. Not condoning public floggings. Am I making any sense this morning? Am I making you think a little bit? If the use of corporal punishment is something that we are to use in raising our children, getting back to that, we have to take in the full counsel of the Word of God and make sure we are within the boundaries of the Bible. Matthew 18.6 says this. You can't throw this verse out when dealing with corporal punishment. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depths of the sea. We can't engage in behavior as parents that embitters our children. That would be wrong. When we react with a harshness or an anger, we bring physical punishment in the heat of the moment. When we do that, that's using corporal punishment without being in control of our own emotions. That becomes abuse very quickly. That line is fine, very fine. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And again, let's not forget that corporal punishment, all through, although allowed and even encouraged in Scripture, is not supposed to be the only method. Many Scriptures deal with discipline, but don't always mean the rod of, of uh, chastisement or correction and the use of corporal punishment. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he grows older, older, he will not abandon it. Training is disciplining or discipling. Very similar words come from the same root. Lots of tools we have to do that. We have offered a class by Danny Silk that teaches a choice-giving method. If you continue this behavior, this will happen. If you do what you're supposed to, then this will be the result. It can be very, very powerful, and you, you don't have to always just grab that corporal punishment thing and, and go to, go to a, a spanking or paddling your kid right away. If you're not reinforcing positive good behavior, I'm, I'm telling you, any form of corporal punishment will not be very effective. Positive reinforcement works. It's a great thing to be attentive enough to see your kids do something good and then giving them praise for it. That's a great thing, church. Give them praise for doing what's right. Don't always just be ready to whack them when they do something wrong. If you don't know your kids, who they are as people, what their strengths and weaknesses are, what their gifts are, what their personalities are, who their friends are and where they are, what they are going through on a day-to-day -day basis, then don't for a minute think 
that using some physical form of punishment is going to be an effective tool to change their behavior. It won't be. You have to have a loving relationship, and corporal punishment has to come inside that loving relationship. That's how it works. Taking privileges away, I already mentioned that. In today's world, taking away a cell phone may be harsher punishment in the eyes of your child than a physical spanking. I have seen, uh, it, it, I, just because I haven't seen boys, I'm sure boys are the same way. I'm not, I'm not saying this about girls, but I've seen junior high girls have their phone taken away and have complete, total, basket case emotional breakdowns. I'm sure boys do it too. I just haven't seen that. That's a punishment. There's other things that work besides corporal punishment. And when you maintain a personal relationship with your children, when there is good communication and there's an openness and a willingness on your part to be wrong sometimes and even to apologize when necessary, that intimacy and relationship will make the need for the use of corporal punishment a lot less. But when it does need to be used, the best scenario is when the line has been crossed and it's a line that they know is a line and they are put in isolation for a time and then are talked to calmly before the punishment is administered. Sometimes the parent needs a timeout before they administer the corporal punishment, right? And that's a good thing. That's a very smart thing. It's a tool in our method bag, but, but more of a last resort, and it's carefully weighed and talked through. And don't forget, some kids will not respond to this type of punishment. Some kids may respond to it. You, you may have even a child that responds to that type of punishment, but you don't really need to punish them, and punish them in this way because other methods are more effective. Know your kid. But again, that doesn't mean we, we throw the old path out altogether. It should always come from a, a heart that is truly feeling, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, right? Anybody ever hear that phrase? I heard it so many times. I hear it in my sleep. I hear it. No. A parent that even had to administer corporal punishment and has done so in love, they, they know what that phrase is all about. They get it. And I know there are those of you in here who, who have had to go cut their own switch. My, my niece is with us here today. I think she's out with the, her child, but her brother, my nephew, um, his mama, my sister, told him he had to go cut a switch because he had done something real bad. And they talked to him and said, you go cut your own switch. And so he put his head down. I don't know how old he was, I suppose five, six, maybe seven, goes like this, puts his head down, walks outside, and he's gone a long time. And he comes back, and he's dragging like a four-by-four four branch. <laughs> now, that was either because he knew you can't swing a big branch like that very hard, but I don't think that was him. What he was, when he left and walked alone, and then he started realizing what he had done, he figured, I was bad. I need, I need, a, pretty, I need a pretty good stick to, to make sure I'm punished properly. And all that isolation, that time he spent going to get it and coming back and the time the parents got to, 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 to just think about it, I mean, it's like you take, they took that branch and they bumped his butt and he was a puddle of tears and that was all it took. 
you know, the anticipation sometimes. I remember times when I said, you're going to have to sit in your room and I'll be in in about 10 minutes to give you a spanking. The 10 minutes was way worse than the spanking. <laughs> and after 10 minutes went by, I mean, it's like, oh, you know, they just... It takes very little force for corporal punishment to be effective when you do it in love. And that's the truth. And again, the abuse of this has caused so many problems. Those parents who have punished their kids while in the midst of their own fit of rage, those teachers who went too far, the few bad egg police officers, oh, now I'm going to get into it, who, who crossed the line. There are a few bad, bad eggs in everything, isn't there? There's some pastors who are bad eggs. Did you know that? There's some plumbers who are bad eggs. Some teachers, some police officers. Some judges. In every walk of life imaginable, there's some bad eggs. And you know what? When they've crossed the line, all of this in, in, in corporal punishment kind of situations, all of these create such justified anger in those on the receiving end. And, and, the, and the public outcry is so reactionary that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and the pendulum swings so far the other direction that we create a whole new set of issues. We see this in the news, a very small number, as I said, bad eggs within law enforcement crossed the line in their actions. Society reacted, and new restrictions on law enforcement ensued. Some of those restrictions may be needed. Others may fall into the category of just tying their hands and doing their job. An, an authority figure who has their authority removed because a few have abused it will have a hard time remaining in authority. Are you hearing me? We are a nation of laws. Without laws, we fall into chaos. Without an authority to uphold those laws, we fall into chaos. And without a cultural morality to hold people accountable to following those laws, we fall into chaos. We have chaos in a lot of corners and parts of our society. And guess who needs to bring it back into the word cosmos or order? Is God's people doing things the right way, being balanced in their approach, not jumping this side and then this side and then this side and then this side. Everything is so divided lately. It doesn't have to be that way. Step back for a second. Take a breath. Calm down. And you can make a lot better decision based off the word of God and find the balance in it all. If we would just try to adjust when things happen, when people cross the line, adjust. Adjust to achieve balance. It would be so much better. But I guess that's the problem with humanity. We're human. And the lines between emotions and motive, between reactive and responsive, they can be difficult lines to navigate. And, and I, I got to say this, please understand, I, I know that there are those who have been abused physically who are probably sitting here today. I'm not condoning any abuse by reading the scriptures I read to you earlier. And Jesus never condoned the abuse and never will. But when love is the motive and the foundation for, for when and how we use reasonable corporal punishment, it can be very effective. When you're talking about inflicting damage on an individual... That's not corporal punishment, that's abuse. 
broken bones, burning flesh, humiliating them in front of others, personally shaming them. These are examples of physically and emotionally damaging methods that are absolutely never okay. That's abuse. That's not corporal punishment. Don't lump the two together. In fact, let me even say this. If you have anger issues, you should probably avoid administering corporal punishment altogether. It shouldn't even be in your tool bag of parenting, at least until you get the counseling you need to overcome your anger. I want you to know you're, you're, you're looking at a former strong-willed child. For real. I could have my mom come up here and she would give you horror stories of the kind of kid I was. A middle child, stubborn as the day is long, quick, short-tempered. And I thank God that I had a dad who knew that a good swift kick in the butt wouldn't embitter me when he did it in love, and he did, would correct and change the direction of my behavior. I was not easy. And, I'm, and my mom, she knew how to get to my heart. There was a few wooden spoons that were um, no longer usable. And she knew how to administer that. But more importantly than that, she knew how to get to my heart. And both of them used different methods. And I'm still, I'm, I'm still emotionally intact. And I love and respect both of them. They weren't experts, and I'm sure they made plenty of mistakes. But they also communicated verbally with me during and through those punishments, whether they were corporal or not. I don't know your child. I don't have to know your child. I'm not their parent. You are. So if, if, it's, if, if it's your responsibility to use all the tools that the Word of God gives, then know the methods that work best for your specific child and know how to use those methods effectively. And for goodness sake, have a conversation with their other parent, be it your spouse or if it's, a, if it's a split family, you know, have a conversation with that other parent and get on the same page in your methods. Be balanced and don't let the path of corporal punishment become overgrown to the point where we just throw it out completely. And I, I church, I know this is controversial, but I'm not about to stand up here and tell you the opposite of what I believe the Word of God clearly says. You can't do it. What do you do with these scriptures? You look at them, and then you look at them as a whole within all of scripture, and you come out incredibly balanced in the approach. This is a path that is probably more important than we even realize. It's it's at least an ingredient to solving the problem of people having a lack of respect for authority. And, and for just others in general, we, we are born with a sinful nature. How many know that? You know, I, I love my grandkids to no end. I would never say anything bad about them. I think they have wonderful parents. I think they have wonderful grandparents on both sides. Yeah, I'd be included in that. But as they get a certain age, you can see the sinful nature come out. You know what I'm talking about? 
God has given you children, and you are a steward of those children. You have authority over them for a short time. And when they're younger, corporal punishment is probably more effective. They get a certain age, and that's over. That part of it's over, isn't it? Although, I don't know, Ben, you, Ben Carpenter, you might still turn Daniel over your knee. I, I don't know. <laughs> you could do it, right? How many pounds does he have on you? He's got nothing on you. <laughs> but when your kid comes up here and lays before the Lord at the altar, there's a lot less need for that, isn't there? It's awesome. We're training up children the way they should go. Yeah, sometimes corporal punishment is a good tool. It's an ingredient. We're born with that sinful nature. It's a difficult battle to stay on track. Thank God for forgiveness, for daily forgiveness. But if we can subdue that sinful nature within by administering a little well-placed, love-motivated, reasonable corporal punishment, why not use what the Lord has given us, especially, like I said, in that nice, cushioned area on your backside? He gave you a cushy-tushy for a reason. Hebrews 12, 6 says, for the Lord corrects, I'm going to end with this, the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves, and he punishes, even scourges, even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. That's New Testament. Abuse is never right. It's the reason this path has become overgrown, because... People have crossed the line a little bit, and they've crossed the line a lot in some cases. Those that have continually crossed the line of lot, a lot and have gone way too far and continue to go way too far, I, in my opinion, they deserve jail or they deserve worse. But that doesn't mean we throw it all out, right? It doesn't mean we take the Scripture and say, well, these Scriptures are wrong, they don't work. So we, we, we put these aside and we don't follow those, but we follow the ones we like. That's a recipe for disaster when you start carving up the Word of God and deciding what you want to follow and what you don't want to follow. Because we either take it all or we don't take it at all, right? Got to walk and balance. I hope you hear my heart today. I hope you'll come back to church next week. Let's pray. Father God, we, we love you and we love your word, even when it's hard to swallow, even when it hits us right between the eyes. God, help us to be a people. All, all through this series, it just, it just seems like everything comes back to balance, to seeing all sides of it, and trying to walk in the, in the truth that that like a perfectly tuned piano that has two or three strings for one note, and they're all in perfect pitch. God, help us to walk in that perfect pitch of truth, in balance, even in the area of reasonable corporal punishment. 
Help us be loving. And help us not avoid the the harder methods of taking the time and examining our kids and building the relationships with them. That those are the things we put aside. It's so easy to grab and spank. That, Lord, that's the easy way out. Lord, we love our children, and we ask that you would help us be the best parents we can be, the best grandparents that we can be, that we would always uphold your word. And even in society, God, we pray that our attitude toward corporal punishment would be biblical, not extreme. God, help us walk in the path of righteousness. And Lord, we just give you thanks and praise for who you are as always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.